Amen. Thank you, Brother Carl. Amen. We're glad uh, here today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Uh, and we're going to look at verse t- verses 21 through 34 this morning. Uh, weather has started to change this last week. There was probably that awful uh, yellow yuck on your car everywhere. Uh, that pollen, and probably if you have allergies like I do, you've been sneezing and coughing a lot more uh, this past week. Uh, I mean, springtime has sprung, uh, although ch- and there's trees that are blooming, and uh, soon the flowers will start uh, blooming again. Um, and it, though it's a, in that allergy aspect, I hate spring uh, because I can't breathe and I'm sneezing and having to take allergy medicine and uh, stuff like that. But on the other hand, I'm thankful for it because by the winter, end of winter time and the cold temperatures and uh, stuff like that, you're just ready for it not to be so cold. Uh, not to be so dreary, uh, for things to kind of pop back up. Uh, We sang that wonderful song, Joy Unspeakable, uh, and how uh, that ought to be true of our life. Uh, If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is a joy that is inside you. That doesn't mean you're always happy uh, with a smile on your face, because sometimes life is just hard, uh, and sometimes life just stinks. And that's just the reality of it. Even if you're a child of God, you know, walking with him and doing everything you're supposed to, uh, yet, um, you know, sometimes don't go your, things don't go your way. Sometimes there's trials and temptations that, that come your way. But even in the midst of all of that, Jesus is still Lord. And Jesus has said, you're his child, and your bad days don't change that. Aren't you glad for that? I know I am. And so let's take a look and see what uh, Mark has to say uh, to us, beginning in verse 21. Uh, and almost all of this is the words of uh, Jesus. He said, Also to him it is a, is a lamp uh, brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret but that which should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him will more be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields its crops by itself. First the blade, and then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And they said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or what, uh, with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown to the ground is smaller than all the other seeds on earth. 
But when it is grown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things uh, to his disciples. So we find here Jesus continuing uh, teaching uh, a very important uh, lesson uh, that he wants us uh, to grasp. And he knows how important it is uh, that we as God's people live in and do what we were created to do. Now, some of you, we always, you know, I always heard you wait to plant your garden until the Monday after Easter, uh, and then it would grow better. Uh, and whether that's true or not, I, I don't know. Um, but if you plant those seeds, eventually, what do you expect to happen to those seeds? You expect at least some of them to sprout, don't you, and produce some fruit. And we talked about that, uh, the fruit last week. Uh, and the importance of those seeds. And Jesus brings that back up. He uses uh, that same kind of idea a couple times here in these verses we read and then gives another parable, the parable of the lamp. Uh, And so I think Jesus wants us to understand some important truths and the the underlying or overarching theme that God wants us to understand as his children is that God expects you to grow and shine for him. That's what you were created for. We were created to to know God and to make him known. And so Jesus is using these parables to teach these crowds, including his disciples, what it is to follow after Jesus. And so there's some some work that we are expected to perform as God's children. Now, we do not work for our salvation. We all know that salvation is not by works. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, uh, you are saved by grace through faith. And even that faith is not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, lest any man should boast. But the Bible is clear, and we oftentimes forget this as God's children. If we're saved, if we belong to Jesus, there'll be changes that occur in our life. And we will do things differently than those that don't know Jesus do them. And that's why Jesus said, you will know them by their wishes, by their intentions. No, that's not what he said. He said, you will know them by their fruit. Jesus understood that if you were one of his children, there were some things that would take place because you are his child. So let's talk about what those three things are. The first is, Jesus, with this first parable, shows us and reminds us that we cannot keep our relationship with Christ hidden. He says, you understand there's a work of shining that takes place for every child of God. 
that you reflect, that you, everybody can see it. The reality is, if you don't know if someone's a Christian, a believer in Jesus or not, they're probably not. Because if somebody is legitimately saved and walking with the Lord, it's evident. They don't have to open their mouth. You can just look at it. You can tell them their, their, how they behave and the things that they do. Now, do those things they say and do make them saved? No. But the things that we as God's people say and do are a reflection of what we believe about Jesus. And if we believe that he's the Lord of our life and he has changed us, that means there's some things in our life that are changing. You see, God is constantly, this side of heaven, constantly working to change you and to make you in to what he created you to be. And that's an exciting thing. One of the things that Jesus wants us to understand is you cannot keep that secret. And it does not stay hidden. Jesus says a few times uh, in the Gospels that his people shine light. He uses this parable in another time and we shouldn't be surprised by that, all of us. Uh, in fact, those of you, if you're grandparents, you tell your grandkids the same stories over and over again. Um, it's probably because you're old and you're, you forget that you've told them already. Or maybe you just like the story. Uh, Brother George had a story about he was driving a big truck and a tornado came in downtown Jackson. If you've not heard him tell that story, go and ask church and ask him. It's a good story. But he's probably told it to all at various times because various conversations you have remind him of that. Well, the same thing with Jesus. Jesus used stories several different times in several different contexts to, to make a point. And Jesus wanted to understand that this important truth that he was the light of the world. And if we know him and if we're his children, we are too. He said it this way in the Gospel of John, uh, John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, there's something about light. Light cannot be hidden by darkness. Wherever there is light, it may be dim, but it's not dark. Now, some of you have been spelunking, and I'm, if you know what spelunking is, kudos. It's caving. Uh, if you've been into a cave, and either a natural cave or one of the big ones that you know, tourists go through, something that you do every time you go into a cave, what do they, they make you shut the lights off. And when there's no lights in that cave... It is pitch dark, and you can't see anything. But then, when one person, just one flashlight turns on, that whole cavern, no matter how big it is, is not dark anymore. It might be dim, but it's not dark because the presence of light is there. And this is an important truth that darkness cannot snuff out light. 
Sometimes it seems like it does, because sometimes it seems like there's a lot more darkness in this world than there is light. Jesus, I think, uses this parable and illustration to show us and remind us this world is a dark place. And the only answer for this world is the light of Jesus. That's the only thing that can solve this world's problems. Is people coming to surrender their life and finding a personal relationship with the Savior of the world, the light of the world. And then having that, because you see as more and more people become children of light and they're reflecting the light of Jesus, guess what happens? The more light you have, the less darkness you have. So back to this cave, there's one flashlight, and you can see the entire cavern, probably just dimly if it's big enough. But then when another person turns their light on, and another person turns their light on, and another person turns their light on, before long, it's as bright as daylight in that cavern. Jesus says the day is going to come when this dark, evil world is going to go away. There's not going to be any more darkness. Jesus said in the gospel, he said, don't be overcome, uh, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Being children of light, changes the world and it also is an automatic reflection that you have been changed by Jesus and you belong to him you can't change it and so Jesus says listen understand that I'm the light of the world and if you're my child you will be as well you'll reflect my light. And the most important thing that we do as God's children on this earth is reflect him to a lost and dying world. A world that desperately needs the light of God's love and God's salvation. And I tell you that there's not a Republican or Democrat that's going to do that. That There's not a amount of money that we can pump into a situation that's going to do it. The only thing that can do it is Jesus. And the thing is, he will do it if we'll let him. So Jesus says, hey, who takes a lamp and lights that lamp and puts it under the bed? Or hides it in a cabinet? Nobody does that. That's stupid. That defeats the purpose of the light. No, you put it out in the middle of the table so it gives light to that entire room. I'm going to tell you, whether you realize it or not, you live and walk in dark places. And it's not total darkness, because if you're there, there's some light, if you know Jesus Christ. But there are people that do not appreciate and don't even realize that they're in darkness. until they see light. Last year I went to the eye doctor and my prescription last year changed a bit. So I got these new glasses. 
Now, if I take my glasses off, I can see all of you, but you're blurry and blobby. Can't see you real well, but I, I know you, so I can tell who you are and where you're seated. Well, with the old glasses that I had, I, I thought I could see really well. But when I put these new ones on, I said when I put those on, when I got them at the eye doctor, how on earth was I seeing before? Was I Because it's like night and day, things are a lot crisper and not blurry and blobby. Now, all of you look a lot better, not blobby. Amen? And uh, so, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is the light of our life and wants us to shine for him. And when we're shining, it helps other people see their need for God. When God works in your life, maybe even through your failures, when people see that, you know what, God can forgive you, and God can still use you and bring restoration, you know what that says to them? If God can forgive that rascal Carl, he can forgive me too. If God can save that preacher and forgive him, then, then God can forgive me too. Because you see, I want you to know this truth, and I hope you do. There is absolutely no one that is beyond the reach of the light of God. In other words, Jesus will save absolutely anyone that comes to him. That's what the scriptures say. And I believe when the scripture says something, it means it. But the problem is that lost people don't know they're lost. But when they put on new prescriptions, when they see somebody with a new prescription and they're seeing clearly and they're shining the light of God, there's something that can stir within them and God works in them through you, maybe even sometimes without saying a word to them. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I know there's something different about you. And I know that, you know, uh, you know, you love God. And there's an issue in my life. And so they've come and they've, be, you know, have talked to me about it and asked me to pray for them. Or, and things like, that is the light of God working in you. And God expects, if you are his child, that your light shines brightly for him. And the reality, the more you live and walk with Jesus the brighter your light shines. And the opposite is also true. The more you walk away from Jesus, and the more you try to hide that light, the dimmer it becomes. But when your light has dimmed, it's not because God has gone away. It's because you have. And so there's this work of shining. But then Jesus picks back up and to, with the seed analogy that he was speaking on before. And he talks about the work of not only sh shining, but he says, if you're my child, not only are you going to shine for me, but you're going to scatter some seed. You see, you once were seed. You, you once had this gospel seed that came into your life and sprouted, and you became a Christian. Your life was changed. 
And so Jesus said, you know what? Every plant, every vegetable, every tree, they make seeds to make more. And so Jesus says, you know what? You know, I'm the light of the world, but I want you to also understand that that seed is supposed to sprout and grow. You should take this seed and spread it around. But then he says something very interesting. He reminds us that, you know what? Yeah, you do the work of scattering, and then you go to bed. And you get up the next day, and you've not done anything. That seed's still in the dirt. It's probably still a seed on day two. But you water it. You tend to it. And before long, what happens? You begin to see a green stem pop out of the ground. Because that seed has died. It's not a seed anymore. Now it's a plant. And eventually, what happens to that plant is that it develops. And as it continues to develop, it's going to produce some fruit. And so Jesus is reminding us that we have this responsibility to scatter gospel seeds because we have been changed and somebody planted gospel seeds in us and somebody watered and somebody harvested. But it was God that gave the increase. So he said, listen, this farmer gets up. He doesn't do anything particularly. He just goes to bed, tends to the soil, you know, waters. But the seed, that plant, is developing and growing and when it's time, the farmer gets back in action. He gets his sickle. He gets his harvesting knife. And he goes and he picks whatever fruit that he's planted. And Jesus is reminding us that as God's people, we should constantly be scattering and tending to seeds and being ready for harvest. There's something strange about some plants. I told you last week about the squash and the cucumbers that we planted. We would pick them one week, we'd come out the next week, they'd be more right behind those that we just picked. And that was nice the first week, but by week six, I was tired of cucumbers and squash. And I was glad when the harvest was over and we took those uh, trellises down and put them in the garage and we never put them up again. Uh, and when we moved, we left them there. Uh, but listen, God says, listen, if you're my child, you're supposed to be light, but you're also supposed to be scattering and harvesting gospel seeds. If you're being the child of God that I want you to be, and you say, well, you know what, I'm just not good at... Well, it doesn't matter. It, your responsibility is to scatter the seed. God is the one that brings the results. If you're faithful to do what God has given you to do, then God will take care of the rest. The problem is, is that we often say, well, that's the preacher's job, that's the deacon's job, let them do it. We say, well, I just don't have time to do that. 
the reality is, you know, that our natural selves, we're very good at making excuses. But you know what? God's never heard an excuse that he's accepted and said, oh, okay, you're, you're excused from that. We'll just, that, that, that rule doesn't apply to you. God overcomes our excuses. He said, I don't care what you, what you think you can't do. You just do what I tell you to do. And when we do what God tells us to do, guess what? We somehow miraculously find we were able to do what God told us to do. Because he equips us and goes with us and works with us. And so it's not that we do any of these things on our own. We're not light on our own and we can't scatter on our own. But with Jesus, we can see a great harvest. And so the last parable that Jesus mentioned here in uh, this passage uh, reminds us that there is the work of spreading. And he uses the picture of a mustard seed. And if you've ever seen a mustard seed, I meant to find one and bring it uh, today, but I forgot. They are very, very small seeds. You plant some, and out of this little tiny seed comes great mustard bushes. And these bushes or trees are big enough and strong enough. Now, mustard is a herb, but it's stronger and bigger, grows hardier than any other. In fact, it's so hardy that birds come and make their nest on it. They're sturdy, but it started out very small. And it doesn't stay small, though. It grows. In fact, you remember that Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you had the faith as large as a mustard seed, you could move mountains. So, God can use small things, but God does not. It may start small, but it will develop and it will grow. Salvation is only the start of a life of a relationship with Jesus. Unfortunately, far too many Christians... That's all there is to it. They make a decision at the altar and they say, that box is checked, I'm good to go. Got my heaven card in my pocket. Let me go back to what I was doing before. And they never grow beyond that. And that, I think, saddens God's heart. And it should sadden ours. We all start out as babies. We were itty-bitty when, when you were... When you, uh, you know, start out as a couple selves, you're very small. And you're in mama's uh, belly for nine months. You grow and grow and grow and grow. And when you come out, you're still not all that big. You're definitely not as big as you're going to be eventually. And eventually, we continue to grow and grow and grow until we get full grown. And then we get in trouble because we we stop growing this way, but we start growing this way, and that, that creates problems. But the thing is, a natural, healthy anything 
grows. If it's healthy, it grows. And if a child of God is healthy, he or she grows. And so you become more and more Christ-like. You come to that place where you're not able only to support yourself, but you get to the point like this mustard tree that can support others. And you know what? That's, I think, when we have fully developed as Christians. Not only when we're being the child of God that God wants us to be, but when we're helping others grow in their walk with Christ. There are people that God has put into your life. And maybe those that will come that need you to nurture them and to help them to grow so that they can be healthy as well. But somehow we have forgotten that. We say, well, it's just about getting saved and about you know, checking boxes. It's not. It's about a relationship with Jesus that's growing. But a growing relationship with Jesus also grows and spreads. It spreads out. So that we're not just consuming stuff, but we're helping others. We would not expect a baby to be able to cook supper. But by the time Josie and Emma, their age, guess what? They're teenagers. They can probably make grilled cheese or macaroni and cheese. They may not be gourmet chefs yet. They may desire to be one day. You see, as they've grown, they're able to do more. And the same is supposed to be true of us as God's children. We're supposed to get to that place where we're helping and coming alongside other believers and walking with them and helping nurture them. And I tell you, there are young people in our church, there are young Christians in our church that need some experienced, godly men and women to come alongside of them and encourage them and to teach them and to walk with them. Because we live in a world that is dark. There's a lot of darkness in this world. And that darkness seeks to take our young people and young Christians and snuff that light right out. And far too often that happens because we let new believers fend for themselves. They need you in their life, praying for them and encouraging them and teaching them. And so Jesus gives these parables to help us to understand we are to be shining and growing if we belong to him. Jesus did not save you and die on the cross for you so that you could look pretty sitting on a pew. He did that so that you could reach your full redemptive potential, so you could realize why God created and made you, and that you would realize the purpose that God has for you, the design that he has for your life. And the reality is no one finds that by themselves. We find it only by community. 
by having other believers around us that help us. That come to us and say, hey, I think you're straying a little bit on the side. Let me help you. Or, hey, maybe, uh, you know, you've got some issue. You know, you don't understand some things. Let me help you and teach you. We all need that. But we also need to pray. And so my challenge to you is, you know what? Pray and ask God. God, send me somebody that I can mentor. Send me somebody that I can invest my life in and help them to grow spiritually. It may be a lost person. It may be a family member or a friend that doesn't know the Lord at all. It may be a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, somebody that says they're saved, but they're not living like it. Maybe God's put you in their life to help call them back. And this is what I know happens when God's people grow and shine for Jesus. They grow as believers, and the body of Christ grows. Because healthy plants grow, and they spread. So how's your health? Are you shining for Jesus? Are you growing in your faith? We don't become, uh, you know, the heavenly saints that we will be one day overnight. It's a process and a growing period of walking with Jesus and Jesus teaching us things. And sometimes he uses other believers to be the instruments that help teach us those things. And so pray, God, send me one person. I'm not asking you to have a, multitude of people. I'm just asking you to pray for one. Because guess what? If every one of us prayed for one and began discipling somebody, the number of disciples in this church would double overnight. But also, I want to encourage you to pray for those that have helped invest in you spiritually. And this week, send them a note or call them or send them a text. Say, you know what? I so appreciate how you have helped me grow spiritually. And so those are your two take-home assignments. Pray and ask the Lord to send you somebody, and then do it. And then let somebody that has helped you grow in your walk with Christ say, you know what, I appreciate your investment in me. Last night, there was a newspaper article, I'm just going to share this in conclusion and we'll be done. Uh, you know that the state basketball tournaments are going on in the Coliseum in uh, Jackson uh, this weekend. Uh, the one particular coach uh, had coached the coach of the Louisville, Mississippi high school team. This particular coach, whose name I don't remember, I should have printed it out, I did share it on my Facebook page, so if you want to read the story, you can go and read the story there. This coach uh, taught this young boy that's now the coach at Louisville. But earlier in the day, his team had played, and they got whooped. In fact, they didn't, didn't just lose, they got walloped. Uh, the score wasn't even close. But in the stands that night, he sat, and he cheered loudly for Louisville. 
for that team. And it came down to the wire. Louisville won in the last second of the game. It was a game I wish I would have watched. Uh, it felt like it was a good basketball game. But the story pointed out, the reporter said he, he noticed that coach in the stands and thought that was kind of odd that he was there. And then that, at the game, the coach came down to his player and hugged him. And they were talking. And so the reporter said, yeah, there's definitely something more to this story. And the coach at Louisville, um, you know, had a bad home life, just difficult circumstances growing up. Uh, but this man was his basketball coach. And he became a mentor to him. And he invested in him. And showed him love and grace. And so that continued, and now that man, he said, I am a basketball coach today because of the influence of this man in my life. That's a neat and uplifting story, but how more neat and uplifting would it be for us to stand in heaven one day and hear somebody say, I am here because of her. I'm here because of him and the difference that they made in my life. Can I tell you, that will mean more to you than any amount of money that you have in this world or any other accomplishment that you have in this world. Be knowing that you made an internal difference in someone's life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you that we can go to you, that we can lean on you. Lord, if there's one here that's lost, they've never begun a new life in you. And so they really have not understood a single thing we've talked about today. But they've listened. And would you stir in their heart and help them see they need to start this relationship? Would you help them to call to you today? But Lord, I know for certain there are many of your children here today in this church and maybe those watching on Facebook or YouTube. that are your children. And Lord, our prayer is that you would help us to grow as believers. Lord, put one person in our life that we can disciple. Lord, help us to take time to thank those that have invested in us so that we'll find ourselves in heaven one day. God, however you've asked us to respond to this message, help us to be obedient to that. Or help us not make excuses. Help us not get bogged down by past failures. Help us say, you know what, God, I'm going to be faithful to let my light shine. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. And I'm going to pull an audible. Honestly, let's instead of the invitation, I don't know if you can play it. You may have to do it a cappella. Uh, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I think every one of you know the words. This little song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine.
And so Leslie will lead it. Do you, do you play? Okay, well, so we'll acapoco it. Uh, oh, yeah, if you know the motions, do the motions, too. Uh, who knows the motions? I thought so. It, this is the motion right here. <laughs> All right, so let's say just a verse or two of that. If God spoke to your heart, there's a decision. As we sing this, would you respond to the Lord? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. 